Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, happy Thursday. Stephen Chicken here. Don't think I've introduced myself on the previous days, but I have today. So there you go, just in case you're unfamiliar. Uh, I'm on my way in to go and speak to Mark Cartwright. Mark, thanks for joining me. Um, we'll start with the transfer window. Obviously, that's ongoing. That's what the fans are going to be wondering about. What's the priorities this summer? Um, well, I think everybody is acutely aware that you know um, we need to score goals. So I think um, we, we are very focused on on bringing somebody in that can that can work with the likes of Danny, Josh, uh, Zorba, you know, and, and create opportunities, hold the ball up, let us get up the pitch quicker. So, you know, Neil Neil's very um, definite in the type of player he wants, the type of player that works for him, and I think everybody behind the scenes is working to try and find that type of player that that fits what he wants. How important was it for the club to get Danny Ward, Josh Karoma tied down to, to new contracts in, in that this summer? Because obviously they're attacking players who well established for town. We know they can score goals. No, I think it was massively important. Um, you know, Neil, I think, has known Danny for a long time, so he knows exactly what he can bring, and, and Neil knows exactly what he can get out of him. And the same with Josh. I think, um, you know, he transformed him into the player that he should be. And I think Neil was exceptional in the way he handled Josh and I think Josh obviously responded incredibly well for that and I think to get those two back um, through the work that Neil and Ronnie have done it saves us a massive massive headache Yeah, I know that Neil said a few weeks ago that you were looking for a striker but that obviously the wage budget of town isn't as big as you might have at say a, I don't know a Leicester City someone who's just come down from, from the Premier League How, how's the progress going on that, that striker hunt? It's it's going okay. Um, the biggest part, uh, you know, and I said this to Raj, the biggest part of recruitment is making sure you're not getting the wrong ones in. And you, everybody, myself, Neil, Ronnie, the recruitment team, we're getting inundated with strikers that um, that people are just throwing names at you. They're not doing their research, so it leaves it down to us. I think. Um, We've got to, it's all about the due diligence and that takes time, you know, to make sure that you get it right, to make sure, you, you know, I mean, I spent, you know, two or three hours with Neil and Ronnie this morning going through players and you're discounting probably 90% of them and then the last 10% are the ones that you're thinking, right, we've got a real chance. It's time to move it to the next stage, which is let's find out more information on them. What does it look like? What does the deal look like? Would they be prepared to come? You know, we've got to... We've got to come up with a, a, a unique selling point to some of these lads to get them to come to Huddersfield. You know, we're not um, possibly not top of the charts, but that's that's you know, we've got a very charismatic manager in Neil that you know can literally, you know, bend the minds of these players to get them to realise what a great journey it would be to to play under him. So, I think we're moving to sort of stage two on a couple. I'm not going to get overly excited just yet um, because there's a long way to go. Um, but it, it is all about um, 
having a proper process in place, not being scattergun, and, and just making sure that we have done everything we can to, to try and mitigate any problems that could arise. We've seen Dwayne Holmes leave the club this week. Um, Neil was talking about how moving on someone like Dwayne can help with the wage budget. Yep. Is that something you might need to do more of before you can bring someone in? Um, not, no, not necessarily. I think we've got, we've got a, there is a budget there, obviously. Um, if there's players that, that Neil really isn't going to play, or if there's players that look like their time at Huddersfield is at an end, then it makes absolute sense to take their wage off the budget, um, which then adds to the, bot, the pot to bring players back in. So it is very much about uh, strategically looking at it as, you know, if there's an injury, would he play? No, then, okay, we can get that wage off the off the books. But it also frees up that wage to bring somebody in. So we're always going through that, um, myself, Jake, Neil, um, just to make sure that we're on top of exactly what we've got, where we can spend it. Obviously, the higher up the pitch you go, the more that, that, that number goes up. Um, but it is about, you know, in the, the harshest possible terms, it's a bit, you know, you're getting rid of the dead wood that Neil doesn't want. Um, there's no point hanging, having players hanging around uh, and their careers stalling. You know, players want to play. You know, so um, if they're not going to fit into the plans, then we we have to we have to move them on. Is a particular sort of profile striker? Are you able to tell us, or would you rather sort of keep that under wraps? What what are you looking for in that that signing? Well, I'll keep that under wraps, but I'm sure most people can. You know, if they look at Neil's teams in the past, they can figure out uh, what it is he likes and how he uses them. Um, they had the club's financial account came out this week and I've explained a little bit to listeners and to the readers about the FFP implications. I believe the EFL also keep a tighter eye on owners in year one now. Is, is that correct? Can you explain a bit about that? To us? Oh, look, I mean, that's that's probably more uh, Jake and Kevin, but, you know, I, I, can, I can certainly say we are being very methodical in our approach when it comes to where we're spending the cash. Assuming you get that striker in, are there other areas that you'd like to add to the squad ideally? I think so. I mean, you know, look, uh, you always want to try and improve what you've got. I think um, they're prob- probably, you know, listen, there's, there's nine subs this year as well. So, uh, you know, what I don't, what we don't need is Neil turning around at, on 60 minutes thinking, how can I influence this game and thinking, oh, cracky, what have I got? So there's always areas that you want to strengthen. It's just, A, whether there's something better than that you've got in that position and B, can you afford them and will they come? So, I think it's always a case of trying to strengthen, trying to better yourself. Um, so I'm not going to say, no, we're done after the striker, you know, because we, we probably won't be, but we'll certainly always be looking to strengthen uh, and build on what we've got. We have a very good nucleus of players here that I think if we can just build on that, then the the capabilities are going to you know keep creeping up. Quite a bit of that squad, probably a good third of it now, is academy graduates, players that come from that B team. But Kevin has announced that the club are going to look to restructure the academy, maybe bring some of those uh, younger age groups back in. Is it you that's going to be overseeing that? And how do you see that looking? Um, yeah, listen, you know, we, we have to, again, this isn't going to happen overnight. Yeah. This is probably a, a 12-month process because you certainly have to let the EFL know that you've got this in mind. And I think the deadline is, is coming up pretty soon. So we'll, we'll have to sit down with John Worthington as well and, and put a real plan in place to open up those age groups make sure the training ground is compliant with the rules and regulations as well. So it's not as easy as just clicking your fingers and saying, right, we've reopened the academy. We do have to take an approach of, of 
sticking within the EFL rules and guidelines and making sure that we have everything in place. But Kevin, um, you know, has a very strong, uh, and, and Jake as well, you know, the America, they like to re, you know, build in the community and be a community type of club. And I think this is a good step forward to doing that. Um, you know, and it's also nice, you know, I've been there when a local lad comes through and breaks into the first team, the the way the fans buy into that as well. You know, that that's five, six years off yet. But it's nice to see that the building blocks are in place. Yeah, because the B team has had some success, so I guess you want to try and keep that going. As yeah, well. you've got to. There has to be the gap between the academy and the first team is huge. There has to be that um, area in the middle, and I think where Huddersfield have done very well is bringing the players through into the B team, but then loaning them out, getting the game experience that they need to come back and make the step up. And I think that's where you're seeing the success with the, the lads at the moment. They've all got games under the belt. They have all know what it means to win a game of football, what it means to people when you lose a game of football. And I think that um, background is, is vital in a play. A little bit on you, Mark. Obviously, you, you, you previously, you've been in America for, for a little while now, but previously you were at Stoke. Can you talk us through your, your long spell at, at Stoke there and the, the successes and, and how things ended there? Yeah, um, I think I came in. Well, I came in under Tony Pulis. It was a point where Stoke were looking um, to expand how they brought in players and where they brought them in from. Uh, if you look back at that era, they were very British-based, um, and I think they were one of the sort of high-end net spenders um, with little return coming back on the books through the transfers. So they wanted to try and get into the transfer market. They wanted to be able to recruit players that they could develop as well. Um, and then when Tony left, it was a it was a switch in style as well, which um, I think the club was just about ready for. Um, but then it, it's, you know, you're, I guess it's a little bit like where we are now. We're having to convince players to, to come to us and why and what can it do and how can we do it. And we managed to, we managed to sort of change track of the club, the type of player that we looked at, the type of person that came in. Um, we had sort of immediately, really, we had three very successful years. Um, and then, you know, we we were trying, you know, it, it was time, could we push on to that next level? And, and I think sometimes you can overextend yourself. Um, you know, potentially we did that. You know, we, we bought a player in, who was a club record signing. Um, and then, you know, six months later, we had you know, double your money offer from Juventus. And I think at the time, you know, we we went with the manager's viewpoint that I want to build a team around this lad. But in reality, the lad has got one eye on Juventus. And then when Stoke say no, we've lost him. Yeah. And then that, that 30 million asset suddenly depreciates very, very quickly. Um, so it, it was a case of, you know, we... There were collective mistakes made. There were individual mistakes made. I think you can learn. You learn. You probably learn more from those mistakes than you do when everything's rosy in the garden, yeah. and, and you're doing well. So I think um, it was a great time. You know, I, I left on my own accord. Um, it was the right time, I think, to to move on. Obviously, I then went to America. But no, I mean, it was it was uh, it was a great it was a great. Nearly eight. I mean, I was I think I was a month shy of eight years. You know, it was a, it was a great period. So I enjoyed it. Um, 
would you do things differently? Of course you do, but that's that's hindsight, and that's what I've got now. I've got greater uh, experience and knowledge in the bank. You mentioned we talked about that academy as well. You left behind a good academy, so there's some some players in that group that have gone on to be sort of regulars for them, or that the sold from bit yep. big money that must bode well for for the job you're doing at town, I suppose. Well, yeah, hope, yes, it does. I mean, we we. Um, Again, the Coates family were they're from Stoke, so they're very much about developing players through the academy. Um, and we were given the opportunity to go and find some good players. But you know, we didn't spend ridiculous money. I think Nathan Collins cost us twenty five thousand euros, and they sold him for fifteen or twenty million a few years later. So, um, you know, we had a good period of time there, but it, it took us a little bit of time to build. You know, I think when we left, they had probably. They say about eight or nine players that come through that system. Two in Harry and Harry Suter and Nathan Collins that got sold for big, big, big money, and they've actually you know then since got the sell-on fee as well. So they've earned again, and then they still got players like Tyrese Campbell that are still in the first team. You know Joe Bursick they sold, um, and it, it's it's good for the club if you can develop and get them in the first team, sell them, and then reinvest that money back into the infrastructure or into the squad, and I think that's where. Yeah, that's what we're going to want to build here. I think some people still sort of struggle to get their heads around the sporting director role. Are there any sort of misapprehensions about it that you, you think people might have? But... Yeah, I think one of the biggest misapprehensions that if you asked any director of football, sporting director, director, is that you're the one signing the players, you know, um, and that the manager, you know, we don't, we don't want a head coach operation like they do in Europe where, to be fair, in Europe, the head coach, the Sporting director is signing the players, and he's giving them to the head coach. Here, um, the, you know, for me personally, the whole process about bringing a player in it starts with the manager, and it ends with the manager. The manager's saying in one of the meetings that you know I need a new winger, I need a new striker, I need a new midfielder. You then your recruitment team then does the work in finding what's available, what's out there, and it has to be the manager's decision because he's the guy that works with them on a day-to-day basis. Um, I don't train them. You know, I don't sit down and have lunch with them every day. That's the manager. So it has to be somebody that the manager wants. Uh, and I think the misconception is that it's uh, you force players onto the manager or you do this or you do that. And I think that's uh, that's wrong. But, you know, that's, uh, that's where the British media like to portray it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um... That is that does seem like a bit of a break from previously the club. I know have been quite keen on that head coach model. Um, with the likes of Dave Bowman came as head coach and Carlos Corbrand came as head coach. Um, is that a case now of, of moving on from that and looking to to something different from the club now as a as a unit as a as an infrastructure? Um, I don't know if I don't. I think we're not we're not moving on from it. We're just making it um, more streamlined. I think work work better so that. Um, Everybody is comfortable with what's with what's happening. Um, you know, you can't you can't have somebody that isn't out there on a day to day basis making decisions on the team. Yeah. That has to be a collective responsibility between you know the coach, um, the chief exec, and the sporting director. And I think you know you look at Liverpool talk about their transfer committee and yeah. and I, and I guess it's more it's not a committee, but it's a it's a group of people that are experts in their particular field all making sure that the decisions are, are done properly fantastic that's all from me Mark really, no really appreciate your time fantastic
So there we go, that was Mark Cartwright Voy, the new sporting director at Huddersfield Town. Hope that was informative, enlightening for you. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing um, from Mark plenty going forward. I'm sorry for saying going forward, by the way. One transfer rumour I can kill now, and you might have seen this on the website already, Jack Hunt's been linked by uh, Football Insider. I can tell you that one is, is not going to happen. Uh, that is nonsense town and not interested in bringing Jack Hunt back to the club. I'm heading back to the hotel now. Um, I think that might be it for me for, the, for today in terms of the podcast. There's not a lot else exciting going on, <laughs> I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, um, other than going home and writing up some of the stuff that I've not used yet and some general thoughts on the training camp so far, as well as keeping an eye on anything else that might come out in terms of transfer links, etc. So, if this is goodbye and the theme music is about to play, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. And in a don't-go-to-bed-just-yet style development, uh, the day actually isn't over. Will Boyle has joined Wrexham. Uh, I've just written that up. Uh, it's a few minutes before the embargo um, at 9pm, but he has joined Wrexham. I made up that he's got such a good move. Um, it was evident that he wasn't going to play very much at, at town, but all my interactions with him, I've always uh, thought it was a... Uh, really good guy, Will Boyle, always had time to, to talk to me whenever he saw me around Canal side, really friendly, and we know that Neil Warnock has, has had nothing but good things to say about him as well, and the way that he's been on the training pitch, uh, I think probably League One is more his level than League Two, but obviously Wrexham will have aspirations of going up, and to get someone who has captained the side out of that division is a great get for Wrexham, so... And I think, again, as with the Dwayne Holmes move, getting a player out who realistically wasn't going to play much, if any, football, particularly with Yutanaki Yama coming back, Oli Turn will be back in uh, November, I think Neil Warnock said. Matty Pearson, Mihal Helic, Tom Lees, obviously they've had positive news on his injury as well with the scan. Town had plenty of centre-back options, like Kayin has been on the tour as well. So, yeah, best of luck to Will Boyle on his move. And of course, it's now Friday by the time you're hearing this at earliest. As I said, not a lot booked in for me now. I've got a lot of work to get on with because I need to. I'm heading straight back home after the game. Tomorrow, tomorrow lunchtime, uh, they're playing Liscard, obviously, in that, that final friendly of this tour. And I'm heading straight back up north after that. So I've got to fill Sunday's content with the interviews, etc., that I've picked up over the past few days so that'll be my job for today so don't be that surprised if you don't hear from me again on friday night and because i'm going straight back up on saturday night we'll see if i get a podcast out on saturday or whether after that four hour drive i just need to collapse on a sofa and maybe see my wife maybe we'll see um, <laughs> so speak to you when i see you next whether that is saturday or sunday